In the winter, when the green earth lies resting beneath a blanket of snow, this is the time for storytelling. The storytellers begin by calling upon those who came before, who passed the stories down to us, for we are only messengers. In the beginning, there was the sky world. She fell like a maple seed, pirouetting on an autumn breeze. A column of light streamed from a hole in the sky world, marking her path where only darkness had been before. It took her a long time to fall. In fear or maybe hope, she clutched a bundle tightly in her hand. Hurtling downward, she saw only dark water below. But in the emptiness, there were many eyes gazing up at the sudden shift shaft of light. They saw there were a small object, a mere dust mote in the beam. As it grew closer, they could see that it was a woman, arms outstretched, long black hair billowing behind as she spiraled toward them. The geese nodded at one another and rose together from the water in a wave of goose music. She felt the beat of their wings as they flew beneath to break her fall, far from the only home she'd ever known. She caught her beneath her breath at the warm embrace of soft feathers as they gently carried her downward. And so it began. The geese could not hold the woman above the water for much longer. So they called a council to decide what to do. Resting on their wings, she saw them all gather. Loons, otters, swans, beavers, fish of all kind, and a great turtle floated in their midst and offered his back for her to rest upon. Gratefully, she stepped from the goose wings onto the dome of his shell. The others understood that she needed land for her home and discussed how they might serve her need. The deep divers among them had heard of mud at the bottom of the water and agreed to find some. Like any good guest, Sky Woman had not come empty-handed. The bundle was still clutched in her hand. When she toppled from the hole in the sky world, she had reached out to grab onto the tree of life that grew there. In her grasps were branches, fruits, and seeds of all kinds of plants. These she scattered onto the new ground and carefully tended each one until the world turned from brown to green. Sunlight streamed through the hole from the sky world, allowing the seeds to flourish. Wild grasses, flowers, trees, and medicines spread everywhere. And now the animals too had plenty to eat. Many came to live with her on Turtle Island. Our stories say that of all the plants, sweetgrass was the very first to grow on the earth. Its fragrance, a sweet memory of Sky Woman's hand. Accordingly, it is honored as one of the four sacred plants of my people. Breathe in its scent and you start to remember things you didn't know you'd forgotten. Our elders say the ceremonies are, all, are the way to remember, to remember. And so sweetgrass is a powerful ceremonial plant cherished by many indigenous nations. It is also used to make beautiful baskets. 
both medicine and a relative, its value is both material and spiritual. The story of Sky Woman's journey is rich and glittering. It feels to me like a deep bowl of celestial blue from which I could drink again and again. It holds our beliefs, our story, our relationships. Looking into that starry bowl, I see images swirling so fluidly that the past, the present, become as one. Images of Sky Woman speak not just of where we come came from, but also of how we can go forward. This was an excerpt um, from Braiding Sweetgrass um, by Robin Wall Kimmerer. Um, I This was, of course, the origin story um, of Turtle Island, or what we now know as uh, North America, um, that is held by many indigenous people across uh, this continent. Um, happy Sagittarius season. Um, happy Native American History Month. I hope that I'm saying that correctly. Um, I'm sorry that this episode is late. Um, yesterday, or I'm sorry, Friday, I decided it was going to be a really good idea to eat about 4,500 milligrams of CBD-infused gummies. Because um, they just tasted really good. It's CBD. It's just CBD. But my brain was done. Um it was a nice break. I got lots of sleep, um, but I was not able to record this podcast. <laughs> forgive me, forgive me. Um, but why Why do we start with that story? Well, Sagittarius season, to, to follow up on what we were talking about, um, what was it, last week or maybe two weeks ago with um, Scorpio season and, and the marsh, uh, we are in the transition into uh, what will be the darkest day of the year um, and will be a season that is so uh, symbolic of death uh, and ending. And Sagittarius season is the light that allows us to garner the faith, uh, the trust, and the belief that will carry us through darkness and death. Of course, Sagittarius is associated with beliefs, religion, philosophies, cultures, um, the expansion of the mind, um, all of these big picture things that allow us to conceptualize and make meaning um, of our existence and, and to give us a reason why uh, what we do, why the work that we invest in, why we exist is so incredibly important. And it gives us, uh, as the torchbearer, um, as the archer points us in the direction that will move us forward, that will allow us to traverse the mountain of Capricorn season, that allows us to traverse the darkness that is winter. And 
you know, I think it's important to share this story given the fact that this is a month or November has been a month and a time in which we're able to reflect on how we um, as people can can move uh, in the name of indigenous sovereignty. And, and there is so much that we can learn about ourselves. There's so much that we can learn about this world and how we move and shift and transform this world by understanding and knowing the ways that we have believe we are meant to orient towards life, right? We all, every last one of you that's listening, myself included, comes from not even just one particular type of cultural cosmology or origin story, right? Many of us come from many, right? And we exist in a world in which, or a country, if you're in the United States or if you're in another country that isn't homogenous, um, you live in a convergence of many different cultural cosmologies, philosophies, and belief systems that center the way people feel the need to move towards life. And so what does it look like? End goal, Sagittarius season is is showing us and, and bringing us into what is the integrated cultural cosmology that will allow us to expand the way we make meaning of life, right? And are able to orient towards the future, right? And things that will be life-sustaining and life-giving, right? We think about the fall and the, the harvest season. It is about being able to bring in everything that we need to survive right and Sagittarius season in a sense is like the 11th hour of being able to move into this space and traverse this darkness going back to that marsh reference of the hippo having the crocodile in its jaws right in the Egyptian book of the dead where it's like this very far-fetched um unreal ideal of what is is possible um uh, is only possible if we have the courage um, to take on darkness, right? We think about Sagittarians and how, you know, risk-taking they are and quite honestly, how irresponsible they can be at times. And it is centered around the bravery and courage that one has to d- take to be a seeker of truth right? And this truth that many of us are obsessed with is like, what does this all mean? And based on what this means, what is it that we're meant to do, right? If we think about it, being that we're in a uh, WASP-founded country, again, in the United States, WASP meaning white, Anglo-Saxon, Protestant (laughs) people, right? There is a cultural cosmology that is largely connected to the Bible, right? In which we see uh, humans being cast out uh, of the garden of Eden by God and being punished by being sent here. And knowing that the woman, uh, the feminine, was the one who uh, committed the transgression that allowed us to be expelled from a place in which 
all was great and to be sent into a, a realm and space of suffering where we must redeem ourselves, right? When we think about uh, the Yoruban uh, cultural cosmology, humanity, um, and the phrase is, and I do apologize if I mess this up, but it is awonti a tan lati lotun ike ayeshe. Those specifically created to transform the physical world into an orderly estate. So if we think about these three different cosmologies that I've placed before you, just kind of vaguely, right? Even just the way that they think about humans and their purpose and why they're here on earth. Think about these two groups of people, right? Not everyone who is African-American or an enslaved person came from what is now known as Nigeria or other parts of West Africa. But let's just for the sake of this conversation generalize. If there is a group of people, right, who has been enslaved and their orientation towards life is one in which humans exist here um, to bring harmony, um, to bring order uh, to the planet. And if we have a people who's is doing the enslaving and doing the colonizing in which their orientation towards life is one in which we exist in the state of being punished and have to consistently work to get back into the good graces of God and will be cast to hell if we're not able to do so. Those said people go to colonize a land in which people have a cultural cosmology that is centered around being able to um, see yourself as an extension of everything that you are a part of and being able to understand that being indigenous is not centered around land ownership or the idea of conquering, but in terms of the relationship that you're building with all beings that occupy that space and the land itself and being in a constant state of gratitude receptivity and giving to that land rather than thinking of it as something to take right so again we live in a space in which all of these cultural cosmologies exist with each other and clash with each other right it's very different you know in a country in which it, people, it, it is a homogenous group of people. We can think about Eastern Europe. We can think about, not Eastern Europe. We can think about um, Europe, Scandinavian parts of Europe. Um, we can think about Asian countries in which up until uh, the existence of colonialism itself, there was not necessarily this violent convergence of again, all of these different cultural cosmologies. And we can see throughout time how the clashing of various belief systems, right? A very core difference in the way that people feel that they are meant to orient towards life and make meaning has been the result, uh, has, has then resulted in some of the most violent things that we see within our world, right? We can think about the Crusades. We can think about the Holocaust. We can think about, um, well, the enslavement of African people, the colonization 
of this land. We can think about what's happening in France right now with that evil son of a bitch, Emmanuel Macron. Yes, <laughs> I do not like him. And so it it's all of that, right? And And I think a really big piece is going back to why, right? To take this beyond this larger view of what beliefs mean, right? It is being able to see for yourself what beliefs and and founding stories and what cultural cosmology is guiding you, right? And given the fact that we have the South Node in Sagittarius and the North Node in Gemini right now, we are being asked to let go of so many of these various dogmatic belief systems, religious programming, cultural programming that do not allow us to orient towards the direction that we're moving into, right? The world is becoming a very different place very quickly. And what I see more and more each time is this this opportunity um, for us to collectively create a new sort of, again, integrated cultural cosmology um, that ensures that we're all able to exist, right? And going into this idea of like creation story and creation myth, it even goes past, you know, what we know of our existence here on earth. Jupiter is so much about exploration and um, you think about cosmology. It isn't just about what is our place here on earth in my community, with my church, in my country, but like what is our place in the universe, right and we have to think about it Sagittarius is is the one sign in which it is right over the galactic center the center of our universe is at 27 degrees Sagittarius so there is this very big picture perspective and this ability for us to understand again where we come from in the greatest sense, in the, in the things that formulate what we believe about ourselves and ultimately what we believe about our world and, and why we're here. Um, and, and being able to use that as an opportunity to orient towards something different, right? It may be a time in your life in which there is a need to change directions or you feel that there is this opportunity to um, embrace uh, and transform um, the way, the things that you've believed about the world, right? This is what we have an opportunity to to confront every Sagittarius season, right? It's expansive. And when our particular vision of the world uh, doesn't continue to expand, it can become dogmatic, And when it becomes dogmatic, it becomes controlling and our belief and our vision becomes a cage rather than an open sky, right? There's this element of Sagittarius that is so much about uh, freedom um, and possibility uh, and we have to be able to find a way to, to move towards that in a way in which we can see lots of different people um, being able to take in that vision and and being able to create a vision that isn't centered around um, marginalizing people, 
um, that isn't centered around controlling people, but is truly centered around a vision that will truly make all of us free. I'm going to take a break. When I get back, we're going to talk about all of the moons. So we're going to use the first episode of the season to talk about those four different lunations. I might talk about some of the other astrology things that are going on. I, I probably not. I, I will do be sure to do so in Capricorn season. I don't have the energy right now, so I'm gonna do what I can, and and hopefully that's good enough for y'all. All right, so we're gonna start. Um, Back on November 22nd, um, we had the first quarter moon uh, in Pisces, and it was at zero degrees and 21 minutes of Sagittarius and of Pisces that we experienced that first quarter moon. Our keyword uh, for the first quarter moon is, of course, action. So we feel the desire to to move forward and do something. But because the first quarter moon is, of course, a square between signs, which means that the signs are four four signs apart in the same modality, in this case, the mutable modality. Um, As I've talked about in the past, so much of the mutable mode, in my opinion, is about creating possibilities and is about how we move towards life, right? So they have different ways of wanting to move towards life. But also there is this air of avoidance that we also find in the mutable signs because they are so flexible and because they are so adaptable. The overall way that Rudyard speaks about the first quarter moon is again going through outer crises due to the breaking up of past conditions. So if we kind of think about the moon cycles as this continuous process, what moon cycle were we moving from? We are moving from the new moon in Scorpio. So coming into this realization of what lies in the emotional underbelly of ourselves, of our family, of our community, of the world. We see and experience the darkness and we experience the things that are held onto the defense mechanism, the way that we cope, um, the things that we repress, all of the deep, dark um, and secret things about ourselves. So given that, Given this movement towards light that we see represented in Sagittarius season, which is a fire sign, having the square between the sun, which is all about development, what we're moving towards, how we're growing, how we're evolving. And I look at the moon, as I've said before, as this this vehicle through which the sun actualizes. You know, we we when we're looking at phases we look at where the faster moving planet is trying to take the slower moving planet. And we can even think about this in our relationship to like being a child and having like a nurturing parent, right? And the nurturing parent is an adult. They have experience. 
They've done this before. They're light years ahead. While we are still within our formative years of growth and development, they are miles ahead of that and trying to pull us safely and securely nurture us into being able to realize and actualize that. So with this square between the sun um, in the first quarter moon between Sag and this Pisces moon, there is this idealism, there is this inspiration, there is this creativity, there may be even be a bit of delusion <laughs> and even like romanticism about the future, about, you know, how you see yourself evolving, changing and transforming. And maybe you're at a point in which a lot of different opportunities are opening up for you, right? And you have to think about the word opportunities. I thought about this today. Lots of times when we think about opportunity, we think of it as like something or even possibility. We think of it as like, you know, a job offer or potentially getting a new car, being in a relationship with someone, all of these kind of external external things. But sometimes, especially when we're talking about expansion and growth, those are our Sagittarian words, it may be something that's a little bit more personal, like an opportunity to see something differently, an opportunity to take on a new way of thinking or a new type of belief system and not even necessarily like a new religion, but like maybe there's a different belief that you form or, or your beliefs are evolving around something or the stories, um, the origin stories that you have within your life, you, you see them expanding. Um, and so the thing with the, the first quarter moon with Pisces is that there is this air of being a bit unrealistic, it can be a bit of out of touch with reality. But I think the main thing is practicing discernment and also practicing the importance of imagination, right? And the importance of visioning. Um, the importance of having ideals and things to aspire to um, without getting too caught up in the details, right? Like there is no harm in that in some respects, right? I'm going to give two examples. Chadwick Boseman's birthday, rest in peace, was yesterday. He is a Sagittarius sun, Pisces moon. Um, of course, many of, his, of us know him through the Black Panther, right? And, you know, Wakanda is not a real place, Shatala is not a real person, um, but there was something about that movie that really activated and made people envision um, and see and aspire to this vision of Black people um, that we know is real, that we know exists, right? Um, but it's also representative of this future, this future of powerful, free, um, and inspired and beautiful and powerful black people within the world, right? It's not a real place, but the ideals that are there are real. And those are things that can be acted upon, right? And and there are, that is something to aspire and move towards, right? What it made you feel is real. And so being able to tap into what you felt in this cycle is what is going to help move you towards action. The crises, right, is not getting too far out of touch with what reality is, right? But then being able to reel it back in and say, what does this make me feel? And and what of what I feel is affirming some greater belief that I have around what's possible in my own life, 
but also what's possible in the world as well. Um, the other example I give, um, I was in a rabbit hole all this weekend watching Leah Remini. This is also really funny because she's a Gemini, um, uh, Scientology and the Aftermath, um, which I'm pretty sure many people have already watched it. I have, I have not had a TV in literally like years. So if I have to watch something, I'm going to watch it on Netflix. I didn't know it was on there. Um, but Elron, or as they say on Jaded XD, Laron <laughs> Hubbard <laughs> is the founder of Scientology. And he is a Pisces sun, Sag rising. So in Scientology, of course, while it has not been declared a cult, right? It definitely has like cult thinking and, and ways of, of controlling and manipulating people. And there was this overall you know, belief in the, the founding text or the, the classical text, as Laurent refers to it as, that is so formative, you know, Dianetics, that's so formative around like Scientology being about this service to mankind and like doing good of the, of the world and this being a religious system that will change and transform the world to allow people to spiritually self-actualize, right? That's not bad. Like that itself, none of that sounds bad, right? But it is when we lose sight of reality <laughs> in which it can become deceptive, it can be manipulative, and it can be dogmatic, right? So it's it's an also an opportunity for us to check in with ourselves and see where maybe some of the things that we've believed about our life, about the world, are not necessarily, as I was talking about, when it comes to our beliefs, they can either be freeing or they can become dogmatic, right? And what we'll see as we continue this conversation is that there is this very fine balance, right, that we must have of visioning and imagining um, to, but also this balance of like practicality, asking questions, being speculative that will allow us to maintain the integrity of the original vision of the tr and of the truth right again this is about truth seeking so when we mix the world of truth seeking with the with the world of uh, imagination and ideals and illusions and delusions and you know the interconnectedness of everything the lines can become very blurred what i experienced was you know, list, watching the, the this docu-series is like realizing that the, there's a very fine line, like an incredibly fine line between, you know, coded language uh, and doublespeak and the use of, and you know, people have been talking about this on the internet of like people who use social justice language to manipulate, who talk the talk, um, and use it to reel people in, right? So there also is this coming into awareness of like, where is that the case and where is that not? So I definitely would call people to, you know, bring in that discerning energy when we're thinking about uh, the Sagittarius season, right? And being able to think about going back to the question of is like this creating a box, for me, or is this something that is opening up possibilities and is making things more free, right?
Then we fast forward to today in which we're experiencing this lunar eclipse. I love lunar eclipses so much. To go back to cosmology, um, in the Yoruba tradition, the lunar eclipse occurs um, at a time in which the sun and the moon occupy each other's domain and are fighting for dominance. Um, and it's very similar to if we look at the Jyotish or um, Vedic astrological tradition, when we look at the nodes of fate, uh, Rahu and Ketu, to the North Node and South Node respectively. And they are said to be enemies of the sun and moon, right? And so there is this fight that's happening in the sky uh, to see who is able to um to, to be the, the, I guess, the, the more powerful force that remains um, in the sky, right? And so what we, I see in all of these cosmologies, or in these two in particular, is this idea of conflict being this space from which integration or something generative emerges, right? We see this in many different culture cosmologies that um, everything arises in some sort of conflict. The sky woman was fell from the sky, right? And was in this conflict of being in a place in which she did not have a home and coming and landing on the back of the turtle and working with the animals to make a home that is hospitable for her. And in some versions of the story, she is pregnant, right? And so she is creating a space for her to live and to occupy, right? And so seeing this idea of conflict and opposition, not as this space of in which harm is being created, but in which something new is able to generate um, and is possible because of the opposition that is created between these two poles, right? So to kind of get into what is this uh, this particular moon, this lunar eclipse about, right? So when we think about um, a lunar eclipse, the Earth, which is representative of the past, um, I'm so, oop, not the past, the present, um, obscures the moon or the past. And so what it is, is it's this, this opportunity um, to because it's a full moon, it is about the culmination of the cycle and it is truly about these abrupt endings to things. So lots of things are being taken out of our lives at this time. Lots of times we lose people who their time um, has passed um, to be in this realm. Um, they leave during eclipses. Um, and it also is a moment in which new things are meant to come in, right? And so I think that's the the important thing to remember. You know, eclipses are very emotionally contentious in the days leading up to and the days after it as well. Um, whatever is leaving, you know, think about the death card in the tarot. It, there is a sunrise in the background of the card, right? So there is something uh, emerging on the horizon 
um, for us during this time. That being said, um, you're able to see, you know, because the moon is in Gemini with the North Node, we may have been coming into an awareness of lots of different information. And, and the one main word that I, the phrase that I love when it comes to the North Node in Gemini is this idea that like words mean things. Um, so what we say is incredibly important, what we've been saying, what we've been thinking, um, if we've been gossiping. Um, what we've been reading, you know, I definitely think it's a time to kind of like cut down on like social media usage and like lots of information sources that you're kind of going to so that you can make your ch information channel as clear as possible. Trying to refrain from, I don't like talking like this, but I'll say it very like low vibrational <laughs> activities, like gossiping, even if you don't know the people and it's just like, celebrities and whoever try to cut back right all of this information that you're taking in and that you're pushing out is messing with your antenna that's trying to receive information so lots of things may be abrupt changes or shifts right but if our channel is clear enough there's this awareness that we have of like okay all of these different pieces and things that i know or i'm aware of are coming together in some sort of way so I think about the North Node and the Moon and Gemini as in like all of these fragmented pieces and messages that we've been trying to kind of put together um, around something. It, it finally is forming something that makes sense and it is coming into this bigger picture, right? It may be that you've taken a lot of different small journeys, um, trips, contracts, um, adventures, um, uh, been the middleman in lots of various different situations. And it's bringing you into this moment of awareness of like, oh, wow, here's what the bigger picture is. Right. And I think especially because with this eclipse, the, the South node is with the sun. Again, going back to the idea of like, what is our creation story? Right. What is the cultural cosmology that we've been orienting towards our life with? Um, what is the the way that we've been meaning making um, at, up until this point in, in our life or even just in this year? Being able to put together some of the pieces that will show us what exactly it is that we've been making meaning of and an opportunity to really kind of let some of that stuff go um, and be able to redirect ourselves towards like what truly matters, what we, we truly believe. And again, like this really big component of like releasing dogma and thinking about where have we been forming these cages um, and uh, you know, this, this proverbial bird cage that we've been putting ourselves in and even putting our world in as well and because of that what is what's next what's new right like where are we going to let these individual stories that we've held um go so that we can um believe something different i 
I think another thing that I think a lot about when it comes to Sagittarius season is this, uh, is cultural appropriation. Maybe this is off topic in some sort of way, or this doesn't align with the logic that I've had right now, but it's like, you know, we take up all these bits and pieces and skills and things like that, right? And it, this is not me about to like rag on anyone for anything that they do, right? But it's like, if you are someone who does Reiki or you do yoga or you, I don't know, went on a retreat to, to Bali or, or, you know, you did a Vipassana retreat or, or whatever it is, right? These are all skills, right? That's another piece of of uh, the moon in Gemini is that it is about skills, especially the skills that maybe we've cultivated thus far that have allowed us to feel um, a sense of like emotional security and emotional fulfillment um, and things that we integrate into our everyday and our daily lives, right? And it's like, where do those things come from? So this is definitely a conversation that I've seen pop up sporadically over the last couple of days of people talking about uh, cultural appropriation. Rise Up Good Witch was talking about, um, or Karina, they were talking about um, tarot in particular and how um, there's this ongoing conversation <laughs> about um of white people basically telling um, black, brown, and indigenous people that they shouldn't be um, doing tarot because it comes from the the Romani or, or telling them that they're not able to um, practice divination that comes from Europe, right? Um, you know, there's this relationship that <sighs> Sagittarius, because it is about discovery, and it is about exploration, that it has to colonialism, colonialism? Um, and globalization. And so I think one of the things that we'll likely we'll see on the world, world stage, I haven't really watched the news today, but as we look and see, you know, what is emerging, um, it, what is the big picture behind some of the small things that we see happening, right? With what we're seeing in France, with what we're seeing in uh Iran. Well, what we're seeing, in, you know, we can name in, in China, at all of these different places, right, that are, are in the news at this time. And it's being able to see this overall large scale framework of a big picture, right, that exists that shows us this way of orienting towards life that has to disappear from our world if we want to be able to continue to live in a world that is safe, um, if we want to live in a world in which people are free which people are able to believe what they would like to believe uh, without harming other people, right? Where we're able to express and have not just more tolerance, but a deep understanding and respect for one another cross-culturally, right? All of these stories, right, are, are going to add up to, to show us something greater um, that we've been missing or that we haven't been aware of. Um Jupiter right now is is in um, fall in the sign of Capricorn. So there is a limitation um, to the expansiveness. The expansiveness that we see is within relation to the current structures that exist within our world, right? And in relation to the existing traditions, that's our Capricorn word, um, and the, uh, the existing legacy that has existed in our world around, again, colonialism, around 
cultural appropriation, right? To kind of think about this relationship to to cosmology and cultural cosmology is we have to remember that um, I loved how um, in the passage that I read from from Braiding Sweetgrass, she talks about the the sharing of stories is is remembering to remember, and it makes me think about uh, in Gugi Watiango's book Something Torn and New, in which he talks about the intentional um, dismemberment, uh, the languifam and the languicide. So like the starvation of languages the killing of languages and language another Sagittarian theme being this overall connection um, to one's cultural framework and way of existing in the world so there is also this opportunity I feel like with this um, this moon um, and this lunar eclipse to really remember to you know get back to some of the the ways in which your ancestors uh, uh, and even just people that you feel deeply connected to again on the grounds of you being able to have a sense of appreciation and knowing where these things come from and why they're important being to get back to the original kind of purposes and core beliefs behind the existence of things right that was a, a one of the I guess uh, arguments, not necessarily arguments, but one of the the difficult points in Black Panther, right? Was like, what was his name? Michael B. Jordan's character. You're yell. I know you you're like yelling it at the whatever his name, Silver Claw. I don't know. I don't remember. I try not to remember him. Um, I literally cannot remember his name. But like the issue of him being like, yo, like look, like this is my inheritance. This is something that has been taken from me. This is something that I want to be a part of. And you just want to open it to the entire world in a space in which people steal from us, in which people kill us. You want to open us to that, right? So this um, ongoing tension between these two different realms of thought and these two different beliefs that ultimately originate from honestly, a bit of the same pain um, and harm inflicted upon by colonization, right? And the stories, Moon and Gemini, that emerge from it, that we use to make sense of our everyday lives, to serve as the intermediary between this bigger picture and these overall grand, larger belief systems and structures um, that we use, right? Um, To go, I hope I made that make sense um but yes it is about changing our stories and again being able to think about you know beyond the way you know i think that scorpio season had so much to do with like survival and like of course this is a long time that we will come to evolve our relationship to the need to survive right um as black people as any type of person that is a part of a marginalized group There is a realm of thought that exists within all of our communities that is centered around us being able to exist and survive. And and some of those orientations towards surviving are ones that are destructive, not just to our spirit, but also to other people. And there is this uh, 
piece of ourselves that exists that is very, you know, to, to quote Malcolm X, it's very by any means necessary, right? I, we will survive and we it will exist. And it's when do we move and shift that orientation to be one in which it doesn't result in further destruction, in further harm, in further separation, right? As given by some of the examples that I saw listed at the beginning of these violent clashes um, of belief systems that resulted in so much danger and chaos um, within our world and continue to do so today, right? So to kind of look at the Chandra symbols for this beautiful lunar eclipse that I don't know what degree it's at. Excuse me. Mm, I'm skeptical. Let me check. Mm. I'm just making sure. What was that? Perfect. It was at eight degrees and 39 minutes. So we're going to go to the ninth degree in our Sabian symbols book. Ooh, a quiver filled with arrows. Man's aggressive relationship to natural life as a basis for survival and conquest. This is the first time I'm reading this. And this is also phase 69 for those who are childish like me. Anyway, the bow and arrows represent symbolically man's ability to extend the scope of his conquest of nature and to kill enemies in order to build a larger base for the collective development of a culture in an organized society. Implied in the symbol of the arrow is the piercing of a target. The man, mind of a man is essentially a trans-piercing power. It goes through the object towards which it is aimed. It seeks to go through and beyond the obstacles on its path, and that usually implies the destruction of the obstacle. At a higher level, as the Zen practice of archery, the obstacle is ego. At this fourth stage of the 14th fivefold sequence of phases in the cyclic process of human existence, we are shown the archetypal symbol of man, the conqueror. It may be a conquest of outer nature or the instinctual drives of the limiting power of the ego. It is always conquest. And so I think that speaks to what I was saying about this idea of survival, right? Survival is very egoic and it's not egoic in the sense of like, oh, you should get rid of this desire to survive, right? I would never tell anyone to do that. That should probably be one of the main things that we're all worried about is surviving, right? But it's like, through what are we willing to risk? What are we willing to tell ourselves? Um, what ways are we willing to trick? What ways are we able to willing to deceive ourselves and each other um, in order to continue to try to survive? And, and what does survival look like when it is about self-preservation in the sense of that we must be able to exist, but we're also able to um, have control over the part of ourselves 
that again comes from this cultural cosmology convergence that we exist in um, that tells us what we need to rid the world of in the sense of like, uh, you know, uh, disappearing of people, right? I think it, it's safe to say that there are ideologies that are not safe um, to exist on, on this earth. <laughs> there just aren't if we're all meant to, to live here and exist there. And I think to some extent, um, we all possess because we have come into existence within this world and within this really kind of weird clashing of all of these different cultural cosmologies that we have adopted some of these ideas ourselves, right? And are willing to utilize them to inflict harm, you know? And so thinking about, you know, the ones, or not even thinking about, they're going to be taken away from you. Um, how are we releasing and uh, releasing some of these, right? So that we can, again, maintain the integrity of the vision that we originally held, um, for not just ourselves, but for everybody, right? I think it, you know, in in the stories, to get back to this Moon and Gemini piece that we've come into learning and seeing and the information that we have about the world and the information we have about ourselves, it's really easy um, to use that to uh, paint this picture. You know, I've talked to a friend this weekend about confirmation bias where we like, you know, we're nitpicking and taking all of these different pieces and we're drawing these vast and largely inaccurate conclusions, um, maybe about ourselves, um, about other people, about our world, about, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and they're not doing the original vision justice, right? And so it's about holding reality, which we'll talk about in a second as we talk about this fourth quarter moon um, in the face of a vision. And again, having a vision that is expansive rather than dogmatic. Moving into the fourth quarter moon, which is going to be on this is going to be a tense day, December 7th, because not only are we experiencing this really fun uh, last quarter moon, but we're also experiencing this really fantastic grand mutable cross in the sky. So it may be a day full of avoidance. Um, it may be a day in which while we're called to kind of buckle down in creating some sort of practical form or structure or routine or practice um, or being shown how the lack thereof um, is making it difficult to hold the vision uh, that we possess. Sorry, I had to turn off my phone. Um, we're also experiencing from literally all angles um, this very tense um, pull into all of these different directions. So it may be a day, I think, in which we feel incredibly confused, um, and conflicted, um, about, uh, 
honestly, it, it to me, it just screams like existential crisis, right? When <laughs> in terms of like, there's so many different way directions to go. There's so many different things to prioritize. There is the allure of being in this fantasy um, and, and stuck in our imaginations and stuck in our, in our head and kind of ignoring what we see in front of us when we look at all the stuff that's happening between the square, between the sun and Neptune. And what we're seeing is that this T-square that is going to be forming up until the beginning of next year um, between Neptune um, and the nodes um, is intensifying. I believe they will be meeting um, in the 19th degree. And so there is all of this intensity that we're building and that we're going to continue to feel throughout the, the remainder of the year up until I believe the time of the inauguration. Oh, isn't that fun? Um, and it is this piece of, of confusion, right? And it, and it is truly, I think at this moment, and at the time of December 7th, we're being called into like, focus on discernment, focus on discernment, focus on what's real, focus on what you feel in your body, right? I think that's a, a thing that the, the moon in, in Virgo is calling us to do is get very grounded in our body. I think it's a good time to, uh, as we feel really scattered um, and kind of stuck in and moving in, in a whole bunch of different places um, to to give ourselves a grounding practice maybe have a nice like rooty tea or like a nice root vegetable soup or dish um, or work with some sort of um, grounding stones like hematite is a great one I think Jasper, that's what's coming to my mind is a good one. You can also work with rocks, like just regular rocks, especially rocks that have been in water are very energetically powerful. I think when you're um, meditating, um, taking the time to meditate um, so that you can sit in stillness, I think one of the difficult thing, or if that is something that you feel comfortable doing, and if that's something that's possible for you to do, um, sit, lay, whatever you you can do if that is a practice that you um that that you find uh meaningful and helpful to really be able to drop into a space in which you can actually just do nothing right i think ultimately what this square is really uh this t square that's really building and forming in between the nodes and um and neptune is this call towards surrendering i think between now and the beginning of next year there is a you know for the honestly for the rest of our lives there is this huge amount of uncertainty that we have around what the future will look like of course being that we're still in the middle of a pandemic you know this is likely something that people are worrying about constantly every single day and especially when you know we're not completely being told the truth or you know things are being left out and we don't know who or what to trust when we're thinking about the pandemic when we're thinking about 
this election that quite frankly is not over yet until December 14th, um, the future of our country, the future of the world, all of these things, right? Um, and there is a degree of control that we wish to, to have. Um, I think that's what we see at the center of a lot of things that are happening right now when we have yet to, you know, collectively, um, sit in grief and grieve. And as the, the, the people to grieve increase daily, right. And we're in our homes and it's, they're coming up with a vaccine. Can we trust the vaccine? Can we not? You know, all of these things, you know, is this man going to leave the office on January 21st? You know, so there are a number of different things that concern us. And even if those things aren't things that concern you, there are things that concern you that are related to your life or your people or whatever it may be that you're thinking about. And we feel the intensity of the weight of how many different possibilities of our future exist in this moment, right? On December 7th, right? And it's something that we're going to continue to feel. You know, when Neptune has just went direct in the last couple of days, I love Neptune retrograde because it allows us an opportunity to see through illusions and delusions. And it adds us, gives us the opportunity to discern, right? I think it also shows us, you know, what are our addictions? What are the things that we have been lying to ourselves about that we've been lied to about? What are the things that we wanted to believe? What are the things that we put an immense amount of faith in? What are the things that we're codependent towards, right? All of that comes full circle um, when we are dealing with Neptune retrograde. But when it goes direct, we're back in that fog and navigating through fog is incredibly scary, right? Navigating through uncertainty is really, you know, to some people, it, it is just absolutely terrifying to not know and to not understand and to feel a sense of confusion. And so on December 7th, I think one of the things that we can do, again, finding a grounding practice what is a really simple routine that you can do for yourself to make you present in your body if that feels safe for you to do, right? Um, what is something that you can do to bring yourself into now or even bring yourself into an understanding that, okay, like we have to take on life one day at a time, right? I think that's also a very Virgo thing where it's like there is process and there are a number of things that have to get done what is it that we can do today? What can be done today, right? Given this expansive wide vision that we may not be able to fill because we don't have enough money, because of who's in office, because of whatever, right? What is it that we can do today? And, and it is, when we think about these quarter moons, it is a, centered around crisis. And crisis, you know, if we're to define it, it is a time of intense difficulty, trouble or danger, right? But it also is a time when a difficult or important decision must be made, right? And I think when we're thinking about what we believe, when we're thinking about these large scale visit, visions of how we wanna grow, how we wanna expand, where we wanna go next, what we wanna do next, it can be very easy to get caught up in the gap between 
you being where you are now and that far off place that you see, right? And so I think, you know, the Virgo moon can be a bit, um, what is the word? pessimistic right and and a bit of a party pooper in the sense that you know it 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 does want us to kind of just be real about what has to be done right and I think it's again going back to the idea of discernment being able to not be your own party pooper you know think about how earth can put out (laughs) fire right but it's like being able to say like no like what is it that we have to do to sustain this fire Again, it's about taking it a day at a time, right? So call back into yourself, where can I take it? Just a day at a time, right? A lot of information is coming my way. Lots is unfolding about the world, um, about my reality, about other people's reality. I'm learning a lot about what other people believe and how it clashes with what I believe and I can't take all of that in one day. And even if I could, I still wouldn't necessarily know what the outcome's going to be, right? So taking it one day at a time. Let's look at the Chandra symbol for this moon. I'm sorry, we didn't look at the one for um, the Pisces moon. And we're not going to because we're not going backwards. We can only go forward. Um, is that I just realized that this is the degree that my moon is at. So I already know what this says. I'm waiting for the page to load. It's about um, a volcanic eruption. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I'm sorry, I'm just like, the irony that one of the most difficult days will be one in which this crisis is right over my own natal moon. Awesome. So fun. I'm very excited for this day to happen. That was sarcasm. A volcanic eruption. The explosion of explosive energy of long repressed contents of the subconscious So the thing is, and now that I know that this is over where my moon is, one of the things that happens is compartmentalizing, right? And I think there's a healthy way to compartmentalize in which you can understand what can and cannot be done. And you put things in boxes of of what is possible and what is not. But there's also compartmentalization where we conveniently try to forget or put things behind us. And I think it's a moment, especially if we push ourselves really quickly into something new um, or into something exciting, or we push in a particular direction in which we're hit with the reality of all of the things that we didn't think about, right? Kind of like what I see in my mind right now is like a baby reaching for a stove and a mom screaming and being like, no, 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 right? And it's like, the baby's like, what is going on? And it's like, that's dangerous. That's dangerous because this, 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 and this, right? This is why all the reasons why you should never do that because like you can burn yourself and blah, 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 right? And so to go back to reading what this says, 
we are dealing we are dealing here with the dramatic release of energies which may be kept in check by the outer shell of the ego controlled consciousness it may be a spectacular catharsis but it often takes paths of destruction yet unless some form of purification by fire is experienced the inner pressure of the karmic past or of more recent frustrations would shake up perhaps even more destructively the very foundations of the personality at the second stage the objective confrontation with an image of the karmic past is replaced by a subjective eruption of repressed memories and primitive cravings everything must be released from the psyche seeking to attain the transfigured state the soul must become empty the mind translucent the key word is explosion i think it's speaks to once you get it all out there may be a lot of anxiety frustration worry concern especially if we're talking about this volcanic eruption maybe an actual volcano will erupt sometimes the chandra symbols are very um what do we say very literal um and i think it it also can manifest through if there's lots of like solar plexus chakra or like sacral and or not sacral but solar plexus chakra stomach digestive issues that you may be feeling during this time and i think going back to that long rant that i had about uncertainty you know a lot of our fears um about the way that the world is changing away or even just the way that it's showing itself um and what it tells us about what we've been moving towards um or what we are starting to move towards again confronting that is terrifying and and the opportunity to release and let all of that go and and get all of that out is incredibly important the final moon that we'll talk about of course is the new moon which is going to be a solar eclipse on december 14th and i am also excited about this moon um because it's going to be the last major lunation cycle before Saturn moves into Aquarius. So this week is going to be, in my opinion, a great week, even though there are a number of stressful things happening in the sky. This beautiful um, eclipse is going to be a lot closer um, to the nodes than the one we experienced today is. It's going to be at 23 degrees of Sagittarius, while the nodes are chilling at 19 degrees um, of Gemini and Sagittarius, respectively. So to kind of get into the solar eclipse, it is when the sun, which is about the future, is obscured by the moon, um, which of course is the past. So there is the beginning of a new cycle um, and lots of unexpected breakthroughs, again, around what we believe, around our cultural cosmology, around our personal cosmology, um, or maybe even something that may happen in space um, that we'll see. Um, through 
the lens of the node where the past is impacting the outcome um, of the future for better of word or worse um, is what we're able to see right so there's this moment of clarity um, and of a moment that is being birthed um, that we will see within our own lives but again also in the wider world um, that is kind of unfolding 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 Um, it shows us something of the past that needs to be integrated into our personal and collective development so given the fact that we're talking about it's really interesting for me it has truly just been about re-exploring my own cultural cosmology and being able to define a, a way of moving through life that feels right to me um but the difficult part has been how do i make sense of that on the everyday right and like how do all of these pieces of like how I've experienced life thus far differ so much from that, right? This is, uh, for me, this cycle is incredibly intense because most of my charts, sorry to talk about myself, but hey, I can't help it. I'm an Aries. Um, So much of this is going, well, it's messing with my moon, my Chiron, and all of my fun planets that are sitting in Pisces. Um, So it is incredibly you know, generative, like all of this is happening within an orb that covers all of these planets in my chart. And it, it is an opportunity to really reassess, um, some of the ways that I've, um, existed, you know, Neptune in Pisces. So this mutable energy is what brought me into, uh, this study, uh, of astrology and being in a place of sharing this Um, medicine and this information with so many people but even with that small deposit um, from the unconscious right this ancestral deposit of this this remnant of the past of something that exists within my cosmology there are so many other parts of my life that have not um aligned with that way of orienting towards living and existing within the world. So it is this process of knowing, um, well, one, what that is of all of these pieces that have kind of fell, fell into my hands, right? And assembling them to, to see what, what shape they form. And what do I extrapolate and, and see um, and know and understand about myself where I come from, and also, again, where I'm going to reference our story at the beginning, um, based on what I see of these pieces, right? You know, I... The the biggest question that we can ask ourselves this season is why. And I think a why that feels really good and not necessarily easy to tackle, but exciting to tackle and exciting to explore, um, is coming up when we're looking at this new moon in, in Sagittarius, right? And so being that it's at 23 degrees, let's go ahead 
um, and see what is being birthed. Ooh, this is beautiful. Twenty-four degrees of Sagittarius. A bluebird perched on the gate of a cottage. The reward which meets every effort at integrating into a social environment for those who remain true to their own selves. Now my little aside story seems to make sense. The bluebird is a symbol of happiness, but also it refers to... This explains why this song has been playing in my head um <laughs> um yeah the bob marley song yeah like it, it started playing in my head when i was telling y'all that story and then anyway ha 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 spirit is so funny um the reward which meets every effort at integrating into a social environment for those who remain true to their own selves the bluebird is a symbol of happiness but also it refers to what one might call a spiritually oriented mind to which the color blue relates, especially when a bird is mentioned. A cottage is a, normally a part of a community and the implication is that its inhabitants uh, are well adapted either to the life of the community or to their more or less isolated togetherness. This is a fourth stage symbol and it suggests that the essential technique for successful living is the development of consciousness in which peace and happiness dwell. There is also a hint that good fortune is going to bless your life. Isn't that nice? So this is um, what is happening and, and emerging um, for us is through the quite frankly, chaos, um, that we feel, um, there is this opportunity for this, this good fortune to emerge. I'm going to share two things and then I'm going to shut my mouth so you can go about doing whatever it is you're supposed to be doing today. In the Yoruba tradition, um, the world is referred to, or I'm sorry, the entirety of all the things is referred to a calabash split into halves and the top half if we think about like a, a calabash is a gourd a circular gourd the top half is representative of the heavens and the bottom half is representative of the earthly realm and so what happened um in the formulation of the world Oi. where did it go um being Oduduwa was sent by the supreme creator to create habitable land, habitable land um on the water so what they found in the the earthly realm um, or the, the marketplace, um, that is where humans would eventually dwell is that it was all water. And so Oduduwa, um, sends a bird, 
um, with a bag of sand uh, to create land uh, on the water for humans to inhabit. Similar to in the, the story of the sky woman, the muskrat uh, dives to the depths of the water to find mud to create habitable land for the sky woman and her future family and for all of the seeds that she has brought in um, for people to coexist and live in harmony with the land, right? And so, I, you know, it, 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 birds again are, are representative of, of freedom and, and this over ideal, overall ideal of possibility and this idea that, you know, if there's a will, um, there's a way. And I think, you know, one of the words we associate with Sagittarius and Jupiter is, is optimism and joy, jovialness, right? And so this is an opportunity to find joy uh, through your newly found cultural cosmology um, and, and become excited about possibility, right? We live in a time that's really fucked up. And most of the time that our most recent ancestors have existed, um, have lived in times that have been really fucked up. But what we can turn to um, is a way of understanding and existing in life in which we know that uh, opposition and conflict um, are things that naturally exist within our world. Uh, but it is not something that will disappear us. It is not something that will take away our life, um, that we are able to survive and that there is a way forward. Right. And so I think that's something that we're being called to in all of the discomfort that we may feel, um, over the next month or so, um, over the next, however long to cultivate that, right. The full moon this evening is a beaver full moon. And what does the beaver do? It builds its dam um, in murky water, <laughs> in the water to hold in a sense of warmth and comfort that will allow it to exist um, beyond the winter and, and be able to survive um, not only just on land, um, but in water, you know. Um, and so we're moving into this season, um, in which we are being called to, to pull ourselves closer together. Right. And even though in some instances, we may not able to like physically do that, there are ways that we can pull people in, that we can bring warmth in, um, and bring that warmth to, to spark joy, um, to light a path, um, towards a more optimistic and, and life-giving worldview, right? It's about being able to explore within ourselves where we have not had that because in lots of instances it's been taken from us. So like, how do we get back to that, right? Despite all the things that our family has taught us, despite all the things that we've seen in society, what is that cultural cosmology 
that will allow us to survive, not in fear, but in joy and in hope and in faith and optimism. The other thing I want to share, and I'll post a picture of this on my Instagram, um, I have the Black Power Tarot and the Wheel of Fortune, which is associated with Jupiter, um, depicts Malcolm X um, at three different stages of his life. Uh, When he was Malcolm Little, when he was Malcolm X, and when he, of course, changed his name. <laughs> and, or El Haj Malik El Shabazz, let's say his name correctly. Um, He was always that person, right? Even when he was in prison, he was that person. Even when he was a separationist, even when he was um, viewed as dangerous, right? When he left the nation of Islam, He was always that person. Always. Right? And it and it truly is, you know, through his faith, um, is what allowed him to find the cultural cosmology, the the belief system and framework that would allow him to live in in service of a vision so much greater than, you know, any type of label um, or, or whatever, you know, could be placed upon him. And he was able to be someone who was able to transform and grow um, and evolve and blossom in a way that is possible for any of us, right? And so, you know, he's a Taurus. He's not a, <laughs> he's not a Sagittarius, but I think it, demonstrates, especially when we were talking about the surrender piece and especially how difficultly, how tense the remainder of the year is going to be because it wants us to be so tired of trying to figure everything out that we just surrender, right? And we just allow life to take us and this wheel to spin us and move us in this direction, right? If we have an awareness of the cultural cosmology, the individual cosmology that we operate from, there is no need to worry, right? There is no need for immense concern or fear because we know that everything that we're doing is in service of the fulfillment of the missions, right? Associated with that way of orienting towards life and of meaning making, right? It is truly about the struggle of being able to hold that in your heart and hold it completely, hold that fire, right? To trailblaze, to bring that with you, 
through the darkness, right? And when we get to airy season and we get to that fire that we're going to experience there, we understand why it was worth it. We understand why it was so necessary to hold this belief and this light, um, this fire and this truth um, in the midst of darkness. I hope this episode was informative, enlightening or something um, for you. I will be back before the end of the month. We're changing the structure of the podcast for a reason that I'm not going to share with you yet because you're just going to know it when we get to the next episode, right? Right, 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 right. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be great. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about. And yeah, I will talk to you then.